Okay, hello, we are live. Welcome to the iOS Lead Essentials podcast, the place to start your journey towards a remarkable iOS dev career. I'm Mike. And I'm Kayo. And in every episode, we'll go deep into an essential iOS dev topic. Today, we'll talk about architecture. And we'll answer a bunch of questions we've received from our students and from the iOS community overall. We reply to the questions with the premise that you want a remarkable iOS developer career. Exactly. Disclaimer right there. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to work for everyone, but if you want that, you know, the next level might be good advice for you. All right, let's go. Let's do it. Question number one. What are the key elements of good architecture? Okay, so I think what you need the architecture for is basically the future requirements. You know, like how can you accommodate unknown, exactly, change, (laughs) which is unknown at the same time, right? into your code base. You don't know what's gonna happen and you want your system to be flexible um, and uh, do it with like the minimum cost, right? As cheaply, as fast as possible. And reliably, right? You don't wanna break features. Exactly, you don't wanna break because th- that's the thing, like requirements change often, right? Right. Like for every single day probably. So you need something solid that it's just not going to break what you've had already there. Actually, you can have like a robust code base that, as you say, it's solid. It doesn't break, but it can have an anti-fragile code base that gets better with time. That's, I think that's like good architecture. You know, that's, that's uh, exactly what you just said, that with time, every decision that you make is going to make the code base better, right? Right. It's not, you're not going to think of it as, oh, I'm adding some craft here. I'm adding, you know, like, oh, the, like some load that it shouldn't be there. No, 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 no. Like every single decision, every single commit is going on the right direction yes. for improvement, right? And yeah, mm-hmm. that's it pretty much. Okay, so... Trait number one of a good architecture is that you welcome requirement changes. Yes. And it gets better over time, right? Yes. Because if you get better over time, you're not afraid of changing it. You're not afraid of even over-engineering or making a mistake because mistakes cost not a lot. It's easy to fix. Exactly. That is correct. Any other trait you can think of? I mean, I think it's like, you know, there are a bunch of derivatives that come Mm. through this thing, right? Okay. For example, what happens is you start to estimate better. Right. Because because suddenly, you know, you can think of, like, you can think exactly what you need to do once you know the requirements, right? And you know, for example, how these modules look like. You know if it's, like, a vulnerable place in your code base where no one wants to touch it, right? Right. No, like, you know these things. So uh, I think it, it, it improves 
estimates and if you improve estimates then you probably have a happier product side and a happier business side so yeah i think there is a correlation definitely there <laughs> so if something is easy to change and if it's decoupled if a change is isolated right in a specific module which means you have a good architecture a change in one module does not break others doesn't even impact others it's easier to estimate much easier to estimate so improves 100% the estimation accuracy that's a good trait i want that Absolutely. what about testing should the good architecture facilitate testing i think uh it Absolutely. I mean, I think you can't have good architecture, you know, without uh, being like having a testable code base, right? I don't think that's right. possible uh, in a sense where, you know, it's going to be reliable. You're going to have a reliable test suite, a very fast test suite, right? I think you need to have uh, a good structure for your modules and the communication between them. So, so if you have decoupled modules, decoupled components, you can test things in isolation, which is much faster and easier. It's hard to test when things are coupled, are messy, and there's a lot of logic going on, right? Exactly. I would say that most of the time you, you, you just can't do that, right? It's going to be so hard. If, if you have like state everywhere, for mm -hmm. example, I mean, how are you going to do that? It's, it's too costly <laughs> and it's not it's not just costly by the way to to do it once right it's like doing it repeatedly so with every requirement with every addition you need to change the system so you're gonna have to go back to the test change the test change the production i mean it's it's just yeah. like it's too much it's too much and as the project grows it compounds right the complexity the messiness exactly how it's not times? linear, right? It's, it doesn't, the complexity doesn't grow linearly. <laughs> no, 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 for sure not. And how many times we've seen, you know, like greenfield projects, everyone's happy the first week, the second week, you know, like things are progressing. Third week, fourth week, you know, like some dependencies come in, you some know, changes, like some, right? Some requirement some, changes come in. Exactly. And suddenly, well, we can't do that. But what do you mean you can't do that? We just started the project. Like, yeah, I mean, this, this is a very common scenario. I think with good architecture and uh, having a, a, a feedback mechanism, you know, fast, reliable, I think all these things go away. You, you don't have these right. problems. And it's all connected. Eh? As you said, like, there are side effects, positive side effects. Improving mm -hmm. the estimation accuracy, it's a positive side effect of good architecture, the stability, and etc. So what comes exactly. what comes first? The stability or good architecture? Right. <laughs> what should we be thinking about? Should we be thinking about the architecture first or about the test first? I think one influences the other, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And like if we if we need to I would say both, right? But in everyday um, in everyday operations, like I would say, start with a with a test. Right. Just always start with a test, and like ar the architecture is going to emerge through this process. But that's just me, you know. Well, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't think about architecture 
as well and draw some diagrams for us think about some ideas no right. of course absolutely yeah i think especially uh, in the beginning the architecture kind of if you have like some quick architectural sessions in a whiteboard and then you start writing tests the initial architecture is going to support the testing right mm -hmm. and the testing is going to be challenging the design you created so you're going to emerge better designs from the testing process so in the beginning i think the architecture will allow facilitate the testing but over time the testing will allow better designs because you're not afraid of changing it yes yes that makes sense for sure just a small comment there i think that's like a very good practice that again we see a lot of people not you know putting it in place and having just draw a couple diagrams just think before you start coding right yes i i like i mentioned write the test first as the coding you know process but before writing the test it's a good idea to know what are you going to test right <laughs> like what do you need to build and i agree uh 100 drawing some diagrams and communicating your ideas and your design decisions to others is a fantastic way um of everyone being on the same page and you know yes eliminating assumptions yeah so people say that tdd promises that you don't need big up from design because the design will emerge and i agree mm -hmm. with that but what people imply from that is that you don't need any design up front the idea is no big upfront design the big expensive one right but you can have tiny less costly ones yeah exactly um i don't think you need in a whiteboard yeah that's and maybe that's takes. too much yeah exactly definitely you don't need you know to to plan every single detail no and <laughs> right just agreeing on this no because like things change and you, you need to have uh, you need to be adaptable you need to be ready uh so what's the saying uh always be ready so you don't have to get ready right yes that's it awesome awesome so good architecture also allows independent development mm -hmm and deployment yes uh for sure uh and independent development for in case uh, our audience doesn't know what that is is basically working in parallel right so having basically a feature and let's say this feature has uh, a networking part and a ui part and two developers at the same time can work uh independently on these things you don't have to wait, you know, it's not a, a sequential right. thing where... It's not a serial queue, right? No, no. Where you say, no. I cannot start working because I need to wait for the database, or I need to wait for the backend, or I need to wait for whatever. Exactly, no. Um, you, can, you can do it in parallel, and it's so much faster, it, it's so much cheaper <laughs> for everyone, basically. Yeah. And even if but you, you can, can do things in parallel with a lousy architecture, the problem is that a lousy architecture will force you to deal with a lot of merge conflicts. Exactly. Right? We're going to be one small change in one part of the code affects unrelated parts. So a good architecture is not going to just allow independent development, but will allow you not to get in the way of your peers and your peers not getting into your way. Yes. 
And that's something very valuable. <laughs> yes. What else? What about speed? I, yeah, Does good architecture I mean, decrease or increase speed of development? So that's that's one of the big, you know, <laughs> debates that no, like good architecture makes you work slower. I don't think so. You know, um, maybe it takes some more time to show something, but in the very, very early stages of a project. And that doesn't mean that if you don't have a good architecture and you, you're building something faster, you're going to show something good, you know, or you, you have built your system in a right way. No, absolutely not. Right. But what happens, let's say, after a couple iterations, after a couple sprints, well, I think, I think, you know, everyone wishes to, uh, they wish they had something reliable and, and perhaps something more stable. So, no, for me, I believe you can't work fast if you don't have a good architecture. And again, we're not talking about pet projects here, you know, with a single view, show a label, you know, a, a spinner or something. No, like we're talking about investment grade products that you have yes. customers <laughs> there and they're high expecting risk, stuff. High rewards. Absolutely. Yes, yes, exactly. Right. So we're talking about so, a remarkable career, right? You're taking like big challenges. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. So I, I believe you, you need these things. Um, yeah, I like what you said yeah. in the beginning that direction is more important than speed. And I think mm -hmm. that's key, right? Because if you're going to the wrong direction, if you're going fast, <laughs> yeah, it's even worse if you're going slow than if you're going I slow. Mean, yeah. Yeah, uh, you need to be careful. You need to be mindful. You, you know, you need to think ahead. And if you're going to think ahead, then architecture stops being just a buzzword. It's like a proactive process you do in order to facilitate what comes next, right? Yes. And again, you don't know what comes next. That's, that's, the, that's very important there. Um, yeah, and it's not just... You know, in terms of requirements, you don't know what comes next. For example, let's say perhaps it's it's in the same company in another department that you're called to, you know, uh, mm. make something similar, right? So like have a similar set of components or something. So why make them from scratch when obviously uh, you could have made them in, in such a way where it's going to be either instant to reuse or it's yes. gonna, like the cost to make them reusable is going to be so small, which is like basically non-existent, like in terms of the rewards that you're going to get. Right. So, so reusability these are is part of good architecture. Oh, 100%, 100%. Right. And that's another thing that I, I see many, many developers confusing this thing that, they are striving to make everything reusable and then they end up with something, let's say suboptimal, right? Right. I mean, it, it takes time, right? You don't, you don't need to um, abstract early and strive to re, uh, make reusable components everywhere. No, like if the need emerges and the time is right, then you're gonna do it, right? It should but be easy to a, extract exactly. something reusable from your architecture. It doesn't need to be reusable from day one, but yes. it should be easy to. 
Exactly. Which means it's also easy to replace something there. It's easy to replace a framework, it's easy to replace a service, it's easy to replace anything that is required. Of course, that's uh, probably one of, if not the most important principle out there, right? Like you need this, this uh, dependency inversion where you're not depending on a specific framework, right? Rather, you know, like you have your system and then you can switch frameworks, you can do whatever you want with minimal cost. Uh, so you have options. Yes. Throughout the development cycle. Yes. And you have freedom, right? That's, that's the thing. I think, uh, and it's so, such a valuable uh, trade to have, but it's hard to make, you know, <laughs> to, to, it's hard to achieve that. So good architecture survives the test of time. Not just survive, it thrives over time. I think wow. that's, yeah, like I, think, I think that, well, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's what happens there, that uh, good architecture becomes better. And, um, you know, with like more and more iterations, things should be uh, progressing faster and people should be happier, right? Uh, not having nightmares about, you know, <laughs> their dependencies there. And it's important to say that the architecture doesn't get better by itself. Good architecture is created by good teams and good teams make things better. Yes, of course. Everything... It's, it's your decision. It's our decision, right? It's like we, the humans, make yeah. these kinds of decisions. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like just decision-making decision process for managing the risk of your product and keeping customers happy, I guess, right? So High risk, high reward. That, yes, of course. But the other thing I want to say here is that neither the business nor the customers care about your architecture. Right? Nope. Yeah, like that's, that's for you. That's for you to uh, be proud or happy about or sad, whatever. Um, yeah. Just like the, the business cares about, you know, revenue, profits, speed, cost, speed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Growth. The, the, the customers care about, you know, customer experience, being happy with your products. All right. So next question. How can I learn how to create good software architecture? Okay. <laughs> well, well, practice and execution. Yeah. Yeah. Well, learn, practice, execute, infinite loop. There's, I don't think there is another way. Like, uh, it, these things are very hard to, to digest. They're very hard to think by yourself. You know, that's like the, the first thing we see uh, in the junior level where the instinct is to copy something, right? Because you see, for example, a design, you see a specific pattern and uh, you want to learn, you're inspired by this pattern and that's yes. a good thing, right? But then, you know, you have like another requirement, you have some some sort of change happening and you just don't know how to accommodate now this change in your, uh, in your code base. So a yeah, template I, I, only helps you or a template or a pattern only helps you if you learn the foundations behind it. So you can build on top of the foundation. Exactly. But the foundation is hard to build. 
That's the yes. that's the so that's how the do you learn tricky. it? Books, how do you learn it? Courses, mentors, people more experienced than you. If you are lucky enough to have a senior developer close to you that can teach you, there is eager to pass the knowledge forward. Just absorb the much you can from them. Pay them a coffee, them. right? Study yeah. them, like how they move, <laughs> how they walk, everything, how they everything. breathe. <laughs> exactly. Learn everything you can from them. Yep. But not everyone uh, has this opportunity, right? Most people are working with, I don't know, maybe alone. You yeah. Know? Like they have to learn as they go. Yeah. Or working with people with low standards and they want to deliver something better, but they have no space, no time. So you're going to have to go out of your way and find someone online that can help you uh, read books. There are a lot of good yeah. books and courses. If you can find a good course, just go for it. You know, Absolutely. it's an investment. So learn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, from, uh, don't learn from shallow blog posts. Come that's on. what I want to say. Exactly. Like <laughs> just cho choose wisely your sources because this, this can this can like um, cause a severe delay in your yeah. in your car career uh, growth and you know overall abilities of writing good software. It's That's probably like, harder to unlearn bad yeah. practices than to just oh, learn it for sure. In the first place for sure. Yeah. So you need a concise path if you're learning, right? Not like random thoughts on the internet. Or experiments or ideas. No, you need I, a I don't path, a concise path. Experienced yeah. people helping you, people that have done it. Yeah, I mean, not just in like software, right? Like in anything that you can, in anything yeah. you want to do in your life. Probably the best advice is like follow follow advice from someone that has been through what you want to do, right? It's not just you know like theoretical yes. and opinions. No, it's like you have hard facts that this person did that. They, I don't know, excelled or did fine. That's that. That's another issue, right? But they've been through this journey, so I think that's extremely important. Um, again, in anything that you do, probably. But yeah, iOS development for sure. <laughs> All right. So learn. And then second, practice, practice, yes. practice, 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 non-stop. Yes. Uh, like literally, uh, if you don't put, if, if you don't pour like, I don't know, I don't want to say a number here and sound like, I don't know, like probably 30 to 40 hours a week just practicing these things, you know. Yeah, if you're serious about it, exactly. really, really Otherwise, serious about it. You're gambling. <laughs> no. But what if I, I cannot I practice at work? I have to go fast. I don't have time. I don't have space. They micromanage me. They tell me what to do. They don't allow me to test. They don't allow me to think about architecture, to write diagrams. What should I do if I cannot practice at work? I mean, <laughs> again, like it depends. If you're a junior developer and you say these things, right? Like I, I can't practice at work. Well, you're not supposed to practice at work. Like it's you know, you're not going to see these things. You're, you're not going to find yourself one day out of the blue in, uh, able to perform well, you know, like uh, apply good architecture principles and practices. No, I don't think that's, that's um, realistic. I think 
like if you're I think in this it would junior be ideal, but as you say, not realistic. Yes. Right. Because yes. for it to be ideal, you need to be in a team that has people that care about that and is going to coach you. And there are people like that, and you should look for those teams. Right. You should Absolutely. look for them, but they are rare. Yeah. And maybe you yeah. are you work in a place that you don't have that, and it, it's not that easy for you to change jobs. Then yes. you need to go out of your way. If you're serious about a remarkable career, go out of your way and learn on your own time. Yes, exactly. What else? And again, can you do? not even, not even, not even the junior levels, right? Like overall, like if you, it doesn't matter how many years you're working, right? Like if you just don't understand some stuff, you know, you need to find better, you know, people that are better uh, at this thing than you are, and. Like they understand these things, right? Yeah. So not just about time, but sometimes you don't have the means to buy a course, mm -hmm. right? And ideally, again, your business should pay a course for you. Yeah. They should train yeah. you. They should prepare you to perform in your position, yes. right? But the moon, the, the world is not ideal. So you might have to yes. invest from your own wallet. Exactly. I mean... It's an investment. It's for your future. It's gonna pay off. Education pays off, especially in software. Yes. Yes. How I much does so. a highly skilled developer make? It's a lot of money. Yeah. A, a lot, lot of money. money. Yeah. Exactly. Compared to other professions as well, like that's a lot. Yeah. Yes. For sure. It's a great time to be a developer. Yes. So learn, practice, and emphasis on this one. Execute. Yes, yes. You need to execute. That's how we're going to test your ideas. No plan survives the battlefield. You learn exactly. something, you practice it, you apply it, and it fails. I thought this would make my code base easier to change. Now I have to make a change, and it's hard. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> you probably misapplied it, misimplemented yep. it. I just go back to the book, say, why did I do wrong? Yep. Don't give up. That's that's yeah, exactly. Learn, learn from me. What's the the other saying? You, you, you can either win or learn, right? You can't lose exactly. basically. That's it. So execute. That's the final form of practice, right? Yes. It's gonna face the real world. Does this work? Can I apply? Why well, you can practice the bicycle, but if you have the supporting wheels all the time, right? Or the or the cheetah. Or <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, no, exactly, exactly. Like um, you, you need to, to face you need to... gravity. Yes, you need to take them off. Execute and execute as much as you can in every opportunity. Probably the most important thing to execute. I know a lot of people that don't practice, but they keep executing, executing all right. the time. Even right. if their skills are not good, they just go and try out stuff. They take risks. And they learn much faster because yeah. they apply, they keep applying, applying ideas, concepts, principles. That's how they learn. Yeah. You know, I think it's like if you don't know what you're going to do, if you don't know how to do, uh, perhaps sometimes it works like against you because it demotivates you, right? So right. You, you don't, you don't feel it, you know, you're afraid of doing it. So like if, but however, if you are, aware of this thing, aware of this dynamic, you know, like in your, 
brain and your system, then maybe it's it's easier to override it and just right. say, you know what, like I'm gonna do it. It doesn't matter. Like I suck at this, for example, whatever. Like it doesn't matter. I'm gonna become better, you know? So yeah. It depends on personality. Yeah, I agree. Some personalities are just they just try, they're not afraid. Some others yeah. are more cautious. But just understand your personality and find the best strategy. Yeah, Maybe exactly. some people prefer to learn, learn, learn much more than practicing and, and executing. I'm just saying, if you execute more, you get more results. <laughs> That's For my sure. experience. Per just persist. That's, yeah. Next question. Yep. Oh, that's a good one. Speed is important where I work. You're probably rushing a lot. So, <laughs> does it take longer to create good architecture? Okay. So, I think we, we touched the subject uh, briefly. No, I, I, I don't think that is true. It, it takes longer. I think uh, after some time, if you have made the right decisions, I think it's going to be much faster. Uh, well, I don't think I know it's going to be much faster in this case. Um, yes, in the long term. Yes. You're going to uh, maintain a constant pace. So when you do the math, exactly. don't look at an isolate variable. Exactly. You know, like, exactly. like today. Was I faster yeah. today? No, look at like in two weeks' time. Yes. In a three weeks' time. In a month's time. In three months' time. Because the project is not created in one day, right? It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Yeah. Yes. So you don't win Absolutely. marathons based on your top speed. Exactly. Because you can run your top speed for five minutes and then you're tired and you don't even finish it. So yep. careful with speed. Speed is important, but direction is more important. So does it take longer to create good architecture? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. No. Yeah. Um, Especially in the long term. And long term doesn't mean five years from now. Months, three months, sometimes weeks. <laughs> I mean, the other thing that like I see many people just, they, they don't think about, and this has to do with what you're saying right now, is for example, like teams change members, right? So All the time. That's, all the time, right? That's, that's extremely important. Let's say you make a change that only you know for some weird reason, you know, why you made the change, so, meaning it's not visible to anyone else, like why just like a, a snippet of code is where it is, right? Why is it there? We don't know. And now uh, you leave and a new member joins the team, a new developer, well, they're gonna have such a hard time, you know, understanding what's going on there. And this is gonna reflect in, everywhere right in the quality right. of the code base in the estimates and like the delivery time and the customer experience reliability no. exactly exactly but and maybe you are that person you're not a new developer you're just you looking at your code three months from now <laughs> and you are confused why did i do that <laughs> for sure for sure that's going to happen 100 percent, right so th that's that's the thing like with with Let's say if, if you do have a good architecture, if everything is organized uh, and you know, like you have low, uh, a low degree of coupling and you know, frameworks live with frameworks and you know, your business logic lives with other business logic, then it's, it's such, you know, it's, it's so much easier to just 
understand what's going on, you know, like just guess where where this thing should go, right? Like whatever. Where sh- where should this thing live? Yeah. How this thing works. How, How is yeah, this exactly. tested? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So again, this is about direction, right? Yes. Because <clears throat> uh, because I don't know, someone might say I'm going to sacrifice direction. Well, they're never going to say that, but they're going to no. say, I, I want, I want like to, to be faster. Right. So for example, I'm going to use singletons everywhere, you know, to whatever, like locate mutable uh, state. Okay. Excuse me. Exactly. Yes. Let's say global mutable, mutable state and just, uh, you know, like the, the bad kind of singleton, but you know, in time, this is going to show because you know, the state might be everywhere, right? Like, inevitably, you find yeah, very nasty yeah. bugs. Exactly. Or Which mistakes. Th- these bugs make zero sense, by the way. You know, like, you're going to see your code and you're going to say, well, this should not be there. Yeah. Like, now mix this with threading. Exactly. Multi threaded right? code with global mutable state. Wow. Some bad exactly. memories of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it, it's that's how you learn. So it's about direction, and uh, I mean, I like to work in projects where the direction is to deliver a good iOS app, a great yes. experience to the customers, right? Create profitable solutions, profitable yes. software, and if that's the direction, speed is important, but it's not the direction, right? The direction wins over the speed. Yes. Yes. And exactly. can you even measure the speed? If you look at a single day, maybe. You yeah. Probably look in a period of time. Yeah. It's a marathon. Not For a sure. short sprint. Yeah, yeah. And it, exactly. And, and lousy architecture is the wrong direction because it's not gonna deliver the goals. The goals of a good application, good customer experience, profitability. I mean, a lousy architecture is, for me at least, is a recipe for being sad. You know, <laughs> that's it for everyone being sad. Disaster. Yes. Yes. Okay, so, let's move on. Okay. Next question. Most devs I know are afraid of overengineering. Should I fear overengineering my architecture solution? What what is this thing like? What does it? I don't know what it means. Over engineering, like, let's say, what happens if you have, let's say, you have two components. One solution has two components. The other one has five components, right? Let's say the first solution, the two components, is a well tested. It is like everything is decoupled. You know, it's easy to change. Then yeah, I guess like if it works, yeah, I think that's like that's fine. You don't right. have to. So two is better than five if you get the benefits in both cases. Exactly. If you have the same benefits, yeah, go for a simpler solution, of course. You have a bunch of asterisks there, you know, like (laughs) if, 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 right? Like, yeah, if, if, if this thing is fully tested, it does what it's supposed to do. It's easy to change, right? It's easier. It's easy to extend. Easy to extend. Exactly. Maintain, develop. Yeah. Always look for simple solutions. But don't be afraid 
or breaking down stuff. So you see overengineering as the number of components. It's like if you're breaking down too much, maybe. Is this yeah. what most people define as overengineering? Adding too many components when one would do just fine. So exactly. if one supports what we said, all the good traits of good architecture, yeah, go with one. Simple. Always look for simple solutions. But don't be yes. afraid of over-engineering. Because the problem is most iOS apps, most iOS code bases I've seen, they under-engineer because they're afraid of over-engineering. They under-test and they under-engineer. Yes. Yes, that's like that's that's much worse, by the way. Yes, and it's more dangerous. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, Don't be I, 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 I hear you. Yes, <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying, and yeah, I mean, there there are a bunch of I don't know, like justifications for these things, like under engineer, you know, versus over engineer. If, if these things are even a thing, but you know, like the problem is, I think a people like developers overall they don't know how to do these things they don't know like how to split um concerns and you know like because it's hard you know it's hard open close yes exactly of course it is right open close systems so again it's 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 easier to just stuff everything let's say in one class and that's it well look the ui does what it's supposed to do right like six months down the road you you just you can't work on this thing anymore. You need to rewrite it, right? That's, that's bad. Yes. Because as you said, the customers in your company, they don't care about architecture. It's on you. No. So no. if you go there in the first weeks and you show, hey, it works, it works, it works. At some point, it's going to stop working. And if it's a mess, and if it's a lousy architecture, it's going to be very hard to fix, to change, to keep adding features. So... Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to create good architecture. And, yeah, and that's a good thing because it's scarce. And if you build yes. the skills, you're going to be valuable. Yes. Yes. Super valuable exactly. for any, any team. Exactly. The, the other thing that I see that is happening is there is this notion that, like, well, sometimes more classes means like, slower system right so actual performance of running the software yes exactly <laughs> and are you measuring yeah. it <laughs> well I mean, I yeah, know. every level of indirection might add some performance hint in there you know it might add to the overall slowness of the system right. but the compilers are pretty smart yep to solve most of those cases, you know, sometimes you try to optimize code, and when you measure, if you actually measure it, you see that it performs lower. <laughs> exactly, of course. Yeah, I don't think performance should be the first concern. No, no, and, it, perform and performance, like build times, for example, is just one of the indicators that you should be consulting, right? You oh, have yeah. like another i don't know like dozens and dozens of other indicators that will be influenced 100 percent you know over time based on like let's say lousy architectural decisions so if you say no i i, I like 
I prefer to have builder uh, faster build times than you know longevity. You don't again, you don't say these things, but this is what's going to happen. But in and my experience, the build times are much faster with a good architecture, especially because things are decoupled. So if I change a tiny class, I only have to recompile that tiny class. Exactly. But if I have a class that is globally accessible, statically accessible everywhere, if I make a yes. tiny change there, I need to recompile all of Everything. the modules that use that. Yes. So, so, yeah, sometimes you have wrong assumptions about speed. Because it's hard to think about that, right? The computer is good at optimizing things. We are not that good at optimizing. So don't optimize first. Yes. Premature optimization. Careful. Exactly. Exactly. Any example? about lousy architecture any kind of component how many class. how many like, how many times how many times <laughs> we've seen like the user class right the right? singleton user dot current well most of the time <laughs> it's a singleton right it, it, it's not even a singleton it's like as you said it's mutable yes. global state this thing should just represent you know like a, a single user logged in or logged out user in the system suddenly has like 1500 uh, lines of code in it doing like everything database networking everything <laughs> right like yeah i mean that's that's the problem and the the premise there like the premise there is well actually it's very simple people think oh i'm going to use this everywhere right so like this thing is going to is going to yes. it, it should it should contain a bunch of logic it should contain a bunch of properties and a bunch of flags that i'm gonna be using throughout my system uh, you know to keep state or to provide additional behavior and that's what happened like you know it, it's gonna get bloated soon well yes. that's it's not unreasonable you know it is a reasonable exactly. solution it makes so much sense right yes. when you hear it it makes so much sense but that's the problem and it's so it's convenient so and it kind of gives you an initial boost in speed, you know? Exactly. But over yeah. time, inevitably, it's going to happen. It's going to become a burden. A liability. Yes. For sure. For sure. The same if you inherit from NS managed object in core data. All your models are core data models. How many crofts do you bring to your domain with threading, context, whatever? Manage models, all yeah. the complexity. Yeah, yeah, that's the standard one. Yes, and what, the same with so, Realm or any other framework. Exactly, because what happens there is we go like we work, we 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 ask teams, and they tell us no. The like the business says uh, the business has decided that we're gonna use core data, we're gonna use Realm, right? That's like it's a Realm app, it's a core data app. This is never gonna change. This is never going to change. Well, that's crazy, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, like that's 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 insane. And the thing, of course, is like you, you never know, right? But it's not just that. It's not like let's say whatever. Like you don't change your framework. It's not just that. It's not just like you're not your persistent stack is not going to change. Thus, you know, you should have like managed objects and as managed object uh, subclasses everywhere throughout your system. You know, one thing is made for databases, right? Like for persistence. And then you have like UI stuff. You have like re remote uh, um, 
object representations that you get from the like maybe there are you know inconsistencies there (laughs) what are you gonna do like are you gonna have like optionals everywhere yeah i mean yeah and the answer is yes right you're gonna have optionals everywhere yeah so it's not just about things changing because you can make the case that well i've been using core data for years and i never changed it it's about Mm -hmm. being able to test things in isolation right you should be able to test your domain without having to create a database or create a managed context and load a managed model you know should be able to test things in isolation should be fast and reliable otherwise if you mix like networking and database and everything in one model it's going to complex things right they're going to be complex yeah very hard to Uh, develop maintain change test etc to say the least yeah exactly all right, so that's it. You should not fear over-engineering your solution. You should no. fear under-engineering your solution. Okay, so the next question was about core data in Realm. Okay. How should I architect my app with core data? Right. Again, like this is the... <laughs> core, core data is a framework, right? <laughs> like you have your app, your system, and then you have frameworks that should live, you know, on the outer layers of your system, right? So they support the features, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. They are not the features you're creating. Unless yes. you are a core data engineer, right? That's right. That's right, <laughs> probably. Um, so that's it. Core data and Realm, they should be plugins to your application. Yes. Right? Yes, for sure. So your application should not depend on core data, Realm, or any external volatile framework. Right? The framework module, right? the core data module, should depend on your application. Yes. That's the dependency inversion principle. Exactly. And I believe we mentioned earlier, it's, like, it's probably one of the, if not the most, I don't know. It's very important. Let's say it's yes. very important uh, to get architecture right because it gives you like this this abstraction there, like the the, the separation between your uh, business logic, let's say, or your core, and then the the frameworks, the outer support. Yeah, the, the infrastructure, your, right? The infrastructure, exactly. They support the application, not the other way around. Exactly. Of course, but the framework hard... authors want you to inherit from their models because then you cannot change it. And if you cannot change it, you need to be stuck with it. And you need to exactly. pay them, right? Even if it's a free stuff, why would you couple yourself with that? Or if there is something yes. better tomorrow, safer, faster, yes. more reliable, yes. cheaper. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so. You, you, yeah, I mean, you need to think of these things ahead and uh, it's so simple, you know, to decouple them, you know, like it's so simple to just say, okay, you know, like introduce some 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 abstractions when needed, right? It's and simple, but not easy. For sure. Especially, it's simple it to create simple. an abstraction. It's simple to create an interface in between yes. your modules. Yes. But the problem is like, it's very easy to leak implementation details into the interface. Yes. Yes, exactly. So even if you have an interface, it might not be that easy to replace or test things in isolation. 
for sure it requires some you know like learn practice yeah execute yeah yeah it requires time <laughs> next should i learn good software architecture as a junior developer yeah of course but like again you need to be patient because and set the right expectations right like right if you think oh, okay i'm gonna i'm gonna master this thing in like a week <laughs> takes years a month yeah, a year forget it no that's not gonna happen right so you should not be you should set the right expectations because otherwise you're gonna be discouraged and you know you're gonna probably quit or i don't know um so we don't want that <laughs> yes no so no. should you learn as a junior yes of course if you're serious about a remarkable career yes yeah the sooner you start the better yeah it's gonna take some time yeah. if you start five years from now you're gonna start from scratch start now so in five years you're good at it you have a better salary better skills valuable skills exactly and if you Again. have a senior developer close to you learn just learn yeah. learn learn practice and execute that's it find good good people good mentors um if you can't work with someone you know like face to face find a line you know find good books read them again and again and again yes you know like that's the problem i see a lot of developers they ask me which book should i read right. about architecture i send them the books they read it and say i didn't understand anything read it again yeah. <laughs> well that's what i did in the beginning of my career there are some books i read minimum seven times minimum yeah. easily yeah and maybe the first three times made no sense no sense at all start picking up it's like learning a new language you know you yeah. try it try it makes no sense the rules make no sense nothing makes sense but if you keep trying you exactly. need again study practice execute that's all it takes yes yes you didn't understand it read it again and again yeah it will make sense yeah you don't need to be a that's genius it. no no for sure not you know because i think that works against you because like good architecture is, is all about good processes and being disciplined rather than just being like i don't know have a high iq or whatever yeah it's about patience right and uh understanding of the problem understanding of the domain and all that stuff so it's important to especially if you don't have someone that can guide you right like if you step up and put some challenges you know like try out some challenges right so that's something i advise students to do put some constraints in your you know in, in your practice right. uh, sessions right so for example one of my favorite ones is let's say can you can you build a simple app where no class is going to instantiate another class inside it in other okay. words you're you're going to be forced to use dependency injection everywhere and then you're going to have just one centralized place that 
instantiates all all your components there. Or you can use singletones everywhere. Right. That's <laughs> out of the question. Out of the qu you're, you're not allowed to use right. singletones. Another constraint. No singletones. Another constraint. Exactly. Right. That's another Any, constraint. Yeah. You can say, uh, can I create a simple application with like three, four, five screens and mm -hmm. only use three if statements? Yes. Yes. And it should exactly. have networking, database, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. You can. Yeah. You're going to learn a lot by putting constraints. I like that idea. Yeah. Give it a try. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you, might, uh, you might be surprised. You know, it's like uh, harder than it sounds, most probably. Yeah. By putting constraints, you're going to look for answers. For answers there you were not looking before. You're going to research things. You're going to find books about it. Exactly. Right? For exactly. example, if you want to learn functional programming, yeah. No mutable state anywhere. Try to create an application that doesn't mutate state. Games, yeah. web servers that would not mutate state. Yeah. One of my favorite side effects is that like, if, if you start putting any constraints, then you can't just copy and paste code, which is like... Nope. Yeah. <laughs> which is like the, the you know, the default way of learning. And sure, I mean, if someone hasn't written any code in their life, I think that makes sense. But if you reach, you know, like a certain level and you understand somewhat UI kit, you know, like you can build an app, a simple app or whatever, you know, then you, you need to move to more advanced ways of um, training. All right. So copying code, you know, just to make right your your device show something that's <laughs> i don't think that's that's that beneficial uh in the long run for your career yeah but and you should challenge yourself yeah like if you go to the gym and you can lift 10 kilos what do you do you try with 12 next time yep <laughs> exactly if it's easy you go put like 15 20 13 that's how you grow keep challenging Just, yourself good exactly. one so, oh, that's a good one. Should I care about good architecture in a small app? Simple app. Should I? Um, I think it's too vague. What do you think? Yeah, because it's easy. Exactly. Especially so if you're it... a junior, going back to the previous question. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. if you have a simple exactly. app, do the best you can, write all the tests, Go for the best architecture you can come up with. Clean up the design. Put challenges, constraints, and go for it. That's how you learn. It's simple. Yep. Do it when it's easy. Yes. That's it. That's how you're going to learn. That's how you practice. And that's how you execute. You're yeah. not going to be able to lift 30 kilos if you cannot lift 10, and then 12, and then 15. Yep. That sounds about right. I think that's it for this one. Okay, yeah. Do I it mean, when it's easy. Of course. So, should I care about good architecture practices when applying for jobs? Okay. Yeah, of course. I mean... If you want to work with remarkable people, with remarkable teams, yeah. Exactly. What are you going to show? <laughs> like, if you're not going to show, you know, good architecture practices and, uh, you know, like your, your testing skills, what are you going to show? I understand Animations. this question. They are afraid of over-engineering and being left out. Like, oh, this person over-engineers. I right. don't want to hire them. 
right but that's a filter yeah that's a filter and you don't want to work with them as well right you don't care about the same things yeah so probably not work with them it's just you're going to be unhappy right i absolutely agree yes like for me the best like i think one of the best you know listings would say show us a couple ways of you know like building this feature right so what's three ways three different designs but do not change your test just refactor show us that you can refactor your code you know and you know, have git there to uh, demonstrate your wow your solution very advanced yeah like i think that's what you should you know strive for here right yeah like these I mean, if you can do that, you're gonna get the job for sure. Yeah, no, I <laughs> think get so. a good offer. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you agree that you're going to get a good offer, if you can deliver an amazing application with clean tests and clean solutions that you can easily refactor, why wouldn't you want to build that skill and demonstrate it to your potential team, your next team? Yeah, go for it. Exactly. Yeah. Should you care? Yes, you should care. If you're serious about a remarkable career, yes, you should care. Okay. Next, I am not a software architect. Okay. Should I learn how to create good software architecture? That's not my job. I'm a developer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, yeah. you should learn because every code change may affect the design. So somehow I mean we are all architects do you make decisions for the project if the answer is yes then you're an architect you know you don't have like just leave the fancy titles and all that stuff like everyone should be aware of what they're doing because that's the other problem you, know, you have people i don't know like i'm reading these things that sometimes they say oh an architect doesn't code or an architect codes like 10 percent of their time and stuff like that and i'm like really I, I don't I don't agree with that to be honest. I don't uh, think there's any law. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or right? rule. It depends right. on the project. But exactly. And that's because first of all, it shifts the responsibility of making good decisions to someone else. The other the other downside I can see is that you're not incentivized ever to make good decisions because perhaps you think, oh, I don't want to be an architect. I just want to be like a senior iOS developer, whatever. Then you know you're you're not motivated enough to to make something. You know all these things that we we've been saying so far. You know like something good, a great structure, and everything. So I find this very very problematic, and it's, this is a serious issue. Yes, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I mean everything, every decision you make, uh, it, it affects the, the architecture. So if you're not making good decisions, you're going to the wrong direction. Yes, for sure. <laughs> it's one of those cases that if you're not going in the right direction, you're going in the wrong direction. Like there's no, yeah, you know, um, neutral zone or anything like that. It's like no, it's yeah, because design is one of the highest values of software we have the features that everyone knows but what about the design 
Right. Design is what allows you to keep adding features, changing the features, improving it. Yes. You want your code base to get better over time, not worse. Right. right. And that's design. Yes. Right. Even if your customers or your boss doesn't care about it, they do implicitly because they care about the outcomes, the goals. Exactly. And it's your job to make those decisions to allow those goals. That's the yes. value you bring as a developer, right? Making decisions. If you're not making decisions, you probably don't have a position that is very valuable in the company. You're not going to have a remarkable career, right? So it's not a problem of if you should have good design or not, if you're not an architect. It's like you should build those skills so you can grow with time, increase your value, and achieve a remarkable career. A good salary, work with great people, you know, autonomy. Yes. Exactly. Like winning, you know, and happiness. So winning for the business and happiness for the customers, they both come through you, right? The the developer. Because you are the one that builds what's gonna generate the earnings through the product, right? So Again, like if you're making decisions, you're affecting the architecture, you're affecting the design. And I, I, I agree with 100% with what you just said, that customers don't care about your design decisions. They don't know about design decisions, right? Like Not directly. Wanna... Not directly. No, no. They just want to be happy, you know, like happy customers. That's, that's... And the, the business as well. They just want, you know, growth, revenues, profits, all that stuff, right? So... It's, it's imperative, in my opinion, to understand this. Otherwise, you're just writing code for, like, you know, for what's, your, what's the goal here? And just, just for the sake of writing code. Yes. Well, sure. I mean, that's, like, that's a noble, you know, thing to do in, a, in your own personal project. But other, other people, well, the whole, the whole uh, livelihoods of other people are at stake here. So... You know, and be responsible. That's what we want to say here. Be responsible <laughs> and architect, like architecture will make you respond. Like if you think about architecture, that's going to raise the level of responsibility, I believe. Not just responsibility, but also value and <laughs> the returns, yeah. the rewards you get from it. Yeah. Right? You don't want to increase just responsibility. You want to exactly. increase the rewards, the value, right? So you need to build the trust, build those skills, go there and get bigger challenges, higher positions. Always and aim for more. Let's let's reverse the question for a second and say, why wouldn't you want to be an architect? You know, like uh, not not on the your role, right? But as a as a skill, when you know, this is like a timeless skill to develop, right? <laughs> I mean, it's applicable everywhere. So if you want to write software, like literally, it's applicable everywhere. It's not like just a a framework or a programming language that just emerges, you know, like let's say the last three years, this thing skyrockets in demand and popularity and the next three years is just gonna plunge. No, like if you're making something, you're gonna have to make good structural decisions. So I think that's a fantastic opportunity, as you said, to increase your value as a professional. Yes. yes. And we get a lot of emails from developers. Mm -hmm saying, well, I have 10 years experience with PHP or JavaScript or Ruby, and I'm planning to transition to iOS because I can get better salaries. I see there is a lot of demand 
where I live, but I have to start from scratch. Yeah. Get a junior position and start from scratch. Like, yeah. why? You have 10 years experience. Just transfer exactly. that. You just need to learn the syntax. Yeah. But you can only do that if you build the valuable skills that are timeless, right? That work in any software project. Exactly. If you are a framework developer, like I can write any app if I'm using Alamo Fire and some other frameworks. Then you cannot transfer that to other platforms. Yes. Other opportunities that may show up to you should be ready. So you don't need to get ready. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Next question. What is the best software architecture? <laughs> the best one. Okay. Which one should I learn? So I don't need to learn the other ones. Just the best. Yeah. Okay. Clearly, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there is a best. I don't think, I think you should learn everything. You should learn, you know, there's just, there are no silver bullets, basically. If you're looking for silver bullets, then I, I don't think you're going to find them. Um, so I think they're asking but, what is the best, like, pattern, right? But it is like, sure, learn the patterns, learn the foundations behind the patterns, right? Learn the principles, and then you can apply any pattern. Right, you can learn and build on top of the foundation. If you just learn the pattern, you might not be able to translate it to other challenges. Yes. And again, this is this is like the architecture on the pattern because people are looking for uh, a simple solution that is going to solve all their problems. Excuse me. Architecture is about discipline. It's about patience, right? No, like there, there is no one. Like depend, depending on your scenario, depending on your situation, you know, you're gonna have to navigate differently. There are uh, so many variables: budget, you know, staff, skills. Exactly. Yeah, you cannot just say, "Well, this is the best one." Well, in which scenario is this the best one? Because there are good patterns, and you should learn them. For example, if you're working in a financial app. There are good yes. patterns for representing money with currencies and representing taxes. You know, like this problem has been solved many times in different contexts, in different countries, in different mm -hmm. like taxation systems. So, yes, when you're dealing with a mature problem, there are patterns that have been used and they are proven to work. And if they don't perfectly fit your domain, if you know the foundation, you can build on top of it and you can adapt yeah. to solve your problem depending on the variables you have, the budget, the team, the skills. So you need to learn the foundations. There is no best architecture. There is no silver bullet. I'm going to make a, a, a statement here. And of course, we can't, we, we can't, I don't think we can ever be able to verify that. But I think that if architectures or, you know, like architectural design patterns didn't have a name, let's say, MVC, Viper, whatever, like MVVM, right? I don't think we would have so many, you know, like people thinking, you know, what, which one is the best? You know, I think the names, their influence. Um, it's marketing. It's marketing, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It is marketing. They're cool names. Come on. They are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. Like, for many years, like the average iOS 
job listing would say we need like an MVVM iOS developer, basically. It would say like the, the number one thing, MVVM, right? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and then, yeah, because that's like, that's, that's what was trending at the time, right? But, and of course, many of these code bases would not reflect the MVVM pattern. Nope. That's the other thing, right? Yeah. So, so it creates a lot of incentives, right? This job posting, because if you want to get a job and every job posting asks for MVVM, instinctively, you're going to say, well, MVVM must be the best one. Exactly. Thus, I'm going to learn MVVM, only MVVM, and that's it. Yes. I have yes. infinite jobs until the next yes. fad comes in and now it's MVP. Yes. And then you need to learn MVP. And so the market is incentivizing the developers to learn certain skills and not others. So it might be an incentive for you to get a job, but in the long term, you don't need to look just at what the market is saying. But look at successful people. What are they doing? Yeah. Right? People that go against that common knowledge, the average. Exactly. Open old books. The boring stuff. You know, like learn the boring stuff. <laughs> Which, you know, of course... I'm only saying boring here because most of them, they don't have a name, you know, there's no cool acronym here for identifying them for marketing purposes, as you said. I mean, I, mean, I think there's so much confusion when you say as well, best architecture and most people, again, that's my opinion. I think they're going to put like a, like a UI design pattern. Right. As a, the architecture of the whole system and they're going to define you know like the the system's architecture with let's say mvc where clearly you have a v there <laughs> is a view you know and they're not even thinking abstractly about the view it's just like ui right like the in our right. case with ios ui view controller ui view a ui button whatever right because so, how many variations of mvc there are exactly how many variations of mvvm and mvp yes depending on platform, depending on framework, depending on knowledge, depending on skills, depending on team, depending on problems, right? It's not a very fixed thing. There are guidelines yes. for defining your user interface components. And they, all of them work pretty well, which is exactly. the next question here. Okay. So yeah, there are no best architecture, but as you say, there are patterns. Which one is the best? pattern mvc mvvm mvp or viper right i like this question because it it's true you know as you said it's it's a pattern it's not an architecture and more specifically a ui pattern yes so which so, one is best depends the one that solves the problem at hand <laughs> i mean Exactly. And the problem at hand, you know, is going to have networking, it's going to have databases, it's going to have location managers, whatever. Like, it's going to have a bunch of things that are not included in the acronym or rather in the letters of the acronym, right? So what you're going to say, I'm using MBC database D uh, and N, you know, like for the... MVCDN, the new MVCDN, right? <laughs> like, I don't know. It doesn't make sense, you know, for me. As a UI thing, yeah, I think it's, uh, all these ways are fantastic to structure your project, you structure your, 
your your applications, you know, per screen or per UI element. These are fine ways to do it. But overall, I think you just need to separate components and organize them in, you know, like a completely different manner. Take Viper, for example. You know, again, it's supposed to be a template solution, right? But then you don't have these things. But somehow, especially like inexperienced developers, they're going to think like everything should be something of the, one of the letters of the acronym, right? So you're going to have like, an interactor, for example, doing X, Y, Z, right? And there's going to be just one interactor. Like, how many times we see that? Well, yeah, yeah that's that's going to be problematic. I don't know. Yeah, the acronym doesn't help you implement it. Yes. And if you're structuring your user interface, as you said, any of those patterns will do just fine. In the hands of an experienced team, yeah. Any of those patterns we do just fine for the user interface. MVC, MVVM, MVP. Yeah, yes. just choose one. It's mostly personal preference because they are all testable and flexible. And it's easy to refactor from one to the other as well because they're so similar. Exactly. They're so similar, right? If someone cannot deliver a good MVC solution, I don't think it's a pattern problem. It's, yes. like, it's unlikely they will yes. deliver a good MVVM or MVP solution. Exactly. Because those patterns are so similar and they are so flexible and testable. Yeah. There are no reasons why something would be terrible because of MVC. That's just unrealistic. They are all fine. Just pick and choose. If you cannot choose, maybe you're working on a team that prefers MVVM. Deliver the best you can with MVVM. They're not that different. When you learn the foundation, they all come from MVC. Yep. Right? When you learn the foundation, the principles behind it, you can solve the problems in the user interface with any of them. Yeah, agreed. Exactly. All right. Next. I just joined a new team with a terrible legacy code base. The architecture is a mess. Is there anything I can do to improve it? Where should I start? Okay. Yes. Well, first of all, don't try to rewrite it. Okay. Exactly. Yes. Um, and there is, like, yeah. So usually we hear the word refactor with the word legacy. Right. Meaning a rewrite rather than... Meaning a, re- a rewrite. Though. Tiny, tiny refactoring is to improve it. Yes. And of course, the reason there is that um, you, you just, like, if you're going to change something, how do you know you didn't break anything else? You know, like, you can't know that because you don't have any tests backing you up. Well, yeah. So you're saying that a legacy code base does not have tests. That's the that's, definition. Yeah, I, I like this definition, you know. Otherwise, you know what's going on. You, you, you get feedback when things are right and when things are wrong. Right? Fast so, feedback and yes, reliable. Yes, exactly. So that's my opinion there. I agree, I agree 100% with what you're saying because it's so tempting. Let's say you're starting to understand, you know, like good principles and everything and then you're, you see a code base like, you know, like a legacy code base with, let's say there's no separation 
of concerns going on. There's tight coupling, singletons, and all that stuff, or rather mutable global state. Not just see it, but you inherit this code base, and, you, and it's exactly. your problem now. Yes, and all you want to do is go there and fix everything. But yeah, you want to execute, right? You learned, you practice. And you yes. have the chance to execute now. And you have this yes. mess in your hands. Yes. And you just want to go there and rewrite the whole thing. In one go. I mean, don't do it. <laughs> if it works, just, just leave it there. And if it doesn't work and you have something to fix, you refactor that part you want to fix. Right? Refactor just that part, improve it, add some tests there, and slowly, Every time you change it, the places you change, the places you touch, you add more tests, you yes. clean it up. And over time, if you keep maintaining it this way, at some point you're going to have cleaned everything. Yes. Or some places you're not going to clean because you don't need any change. It's very stable. It works. Exactly. Even if it doesn't have tests, doesn't have the best architecture in there, the best design, it's stable. Don't change things that are working. Only the things that are not working. Yes. I think that's a safe bet. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think that's sound advice. And again, patience. Like, don't, don't go after a mess just because you can identify the mess. If it works, it works, you know? Yes. <laughs> don't, don't break it. All right, next one. The rest of my team doesn't care about good architecture and good practices, what should I do? Find another job, probably. I don't know. <laughs> well, um, yeah, you can't win against the majority, right? So the collective is going to win. Yeah. So if you care about it, right, if you're not in a leadership position, if you cannot influence change and you care about your future and you care about, I don't know, good practices, Maybe you should move because you're not going to be happy there, right? Every change you make, someone's going to come and break it and make a mess on top of it. Exactly. So I think it's more a matter of happiness and future growth. Yes. Right? It doesn't mean that this team that doesn't care about good architecture is not going to have a profitable career. Maybe they will. But are you going to risk your likelihood of achieving a profitable and happy career? Yes. Because if you care about it, it's very hard to be around people that don't care. Exactly. If you care and other people don't care in the team, that's going to be a nightmare. You're going to have like conflict all the time. and Yeah. And sometimes you're going to be revealing some code. And you know that even if you send a message and you ask them, like, even if you want to request some changes to improve it, you know it's going to be in vain. So you stop trying at some point. Yes. You know, it's just like, ah, it's not, it's not good. No. But, I mean, if you're, in, if you're in this journey of growth, this is like a milestone. If, you're, if you reach a level where, you know, you started, let's say all developers and teams started at the same level, and now you're seeing these things and you have conflict because of, let's say, quality uh assurance issues in pr in pull requests and you know like features i think that's that works uh th that works great for you because it it validates that yeah like you have leveled up and 
you have a choice. Like, uh, can go somewhere else, try to find something better. Yeah. Or, yeah. If you care, you need to find people that care as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's or make them. That, or make that, them. Good that's, ones. Yeah. That's, that's hard. <laughs> I, don't, I don't recommend that to everyone. Right. But, uh, what is the saying? If you are the smartest person in the room, you are in the wrong room? Yeah. Yeah. Find another room? Yep. Yep. For sure. <laughs> okay. Next. My manager wants me to sacrifice good architecture and good practices for faster delivery times. What should I do? Okay, it's speed again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, speed so, is important. But is this a momentary thing? Is he exactly. asking you to say, hey, we need to go fast because you have a, we know we have a marketing date that we need to meet, man. Come on, like, there's nothing you can do about it. Or is it a constant thing? It's just like, recklessness yeah because depending on the case like maybe your boss knows something that you don't yeah right and you should work with him not like it's not a you against them yeah again you have this conflict and then you need to assess is this conflict continuous yes if it is then yeah just i mean it's going to be a nightmare like to to work uh, to work like this in these things happen all the time because of, you know, like a very hot market, right? Both for the business side and the developer side, the demand and the supply in the job market. So these things are common. Be, be prepared for, yes, to, to, to see them. It's a fierce competition out there. The businesses yeah. just want to go faster than the competition, but to go fast, you need to go well. That's where the discipline comes in. That's why you need discipline. Because if you have discipline in the long term, you're going to win the race. Yeah. It's a marathon. So sometimes yeah. you have a deadline that you cannot change. And maybe you need to work a little bit harder. Maybe don't sacrifice the design, but maybe sacrifice time, get some extra time, make some extra bucks, you know, yeah. to help you invest in something, buy a course. Investing skills that are going to make you faster as well, deliver better solutions with tasks. By eliminating the risk, you know, with yep. good architecture and tasks, you can go faster because you're not afraid. Yeah. So understand, is this a constant thing? Is your boss asking you to do this all the time? They just don't care about quality at all. Again, if you care about quality, you need to find people that care about the things you care as well. Otherwise, it's yep. going to be very hard. Yeah, exactly. But if it's a one-time thing, maybe go out of your way, deliver a good result, help your boss look good to their bosses, and that's how you grow in a company, you know? Yeah. Go the extra mile. Do your best. Exactly. If you build trust with your boss, he will leave you alone, right? And he's not going to micromanage you. If they are micromanaging you and telling you, go faster, don't test, do this, it's just that you're not making the decisions. If you're not making the decisions, it's very hard to grow in that company, right? Because you're not taking risks. You're not taking responsibility. Exactly. I, I believe the term is skin in the game, right? <laughs> so if you don't have skin in the game, then, yeah. Uh, you, you just, you want to grow together. Yes. Like everyone has their own incentives and 
most of the time are not aligned and you know that can be problematic you you can't expect the same things while you know if you were, if you did have this fantastic relationship and going the extra mile and over delivering and all that stuff for sure yeah if you're serious about a remarkable career right working with remarkable people not being micromanaged yeah you need to go the extra mile i mean it's, it's that easy well it's yeah. that simple but it's, it's that not simple easy. yeah yeah it's gonna take some time but that's it yeah okay i think that's it for this podcast okay that was awesome that was great yes <laughs> love it yeah it was uh i feel lighter after sharing all <laughs> these things <laughs> so let us know what you think if you have any questions leave them in the comment section exactly and we'll see you again next time bye y'all see ya